All change begins with choice. Can you say that with me tonight? All change begins with choice. In our Creation Health series, Imagine a Healthy Hundred, we begin with C, choosing to live life at its best. When Ronald Reagan was just a very little boy, his aunt took him to a shoe cobbler to get him a new pair of shoes. And the shoe cobbler said to him, Ronnie, I have a question for you. Do you want the shoes with the round toe or the square toe? The little boy's mind went round and round, and he said, I'm not sure. And the shoe cobbler said, well, I'm going to cut the leather today, but you don't have to make this decision for about three or four days. So come back in three or four days. Tell me now, Ronnie, do you want the round toe or the square toe? About three days later, the shoe cobbler saw young Ronnie Reagan in a marketplace, and he said, have you decided? And the young boy said, no, I haven't decided yet. And he said, well, you come Friday, and I'll have the shoes for you. When young Reagan came on Friday to the shoe cobbler shop, the shoes were made, one round shoe, one round toe, and one square toe. <laughs> and Ronald Reagan wrote in his diary, I learned right then and there, if you don't make your decisions, somebody else will. All change together, all change begins with what? Choice. The ability to choose is hardwired into our brains by a loving creator. When God made us, he gave to us that ability or that capacity to choose. The frontal lobe of the brain of a cat is about 3.5%. The frontal lobe of the brain of a dog is uh, 7%. And the frontal lobe of the brain of a chimpanzee is 17%. But the frontal lobe of your brain is between 33 and 38%. Now there in the frontal lobe of the brain is our will, the ability to choose. The will is the governing power in the nature of men and women that brings all of the faculties under its sway. But the will does not make its decisions in a vacuum. There are three what I call counselors to the will. So if our will is going to be motivated to make positive decisions, and if indeed the will is the governing power, if it's the power of decision, the power of choice, as we reinforce the counselors of the will, we are more adequately able to make positive decisions. And here are the three counselors of the will. The first is judgment. Judgment has to do with discernment. Judgment asks the question, is this decision wise for me? So after you have eaten one dish of that soy ice cream that I know all of you are eating, and you are thinking about the second or third or fourth dish, or after you've eaten that one piece of carob chocolate pie, a cake, and you're thinking about that second piece, judgment is the discernment to say, is this best for me? Or when you're sitting, getting your exercise, pushing the remote, and your thumb is becoming stronger, judgment has to do with the discernment to get out of your easy chair and walk a half a mile. It will not kill you. What is reason? Where judgment has to do with discernment, 
Reason has to do with the facts. So the more you have the facts in your brain, the more you have facts that fill your head. Facts like the, lar the most single preventable cause of disease in America is cigarette smoking. Facts like obesity can be controlled by wise choices. The more you fill your mind with reasonable facts, the more likely it is you'll make positive decisions. Conscience has to do with the moral issues, with the ethical issues. And conscience for the Christian has to do, or for the believer in God, has to do with the sense that I've been created by God, that I'm really not my own, and is this choice healthfully going to honor him? So the will is galvanized to action, when judgment, reason, and conscience bring, come to bear on that will. Positive choices are made when I recognize that those choices are a function of the human will. Choice was a God-given gift in the Garden of Eden. Come with me tonight. This series is called Imagine a Healthy Hundred or Creation Health. Come with me back to that ancient garden. In the Garden of Eden, God created not only Adam and Eve, but he created love. And love can never be forced. Love can never be coerced. Because if you take away the opportunity of choice, you take away the ability to love. And if you take away the ability to love, you take away the opportunity to be happy. So an all-powerful, all-wise creator created beings they put in the garden. But he did not make them like robot beings that he could control from a cosmic control center in the heart of the universe. God did not give our first parents uh, a head with two screws in it that he would unscrew and uh, put a computer chip in there so they'd be like robots that would say, I will obey God. How would you like a child? That every night you could program their brain with a computer. And every night you put the computer chip in their brain while they were sleeping and they woke up and said, Yes, Mama, I will eat my oatmeal. Yes, Mama, I will make my bed. Yes, Mama, I will pick up my room. Yes, Mama, I'll do my studies. How many of you like a kid like that? Don't raise your hand too fast, please. <laughs> How would you like it when they put their steel arms around your face and kissed you with their steel lips? There's nothing like that kid. You know, they get up in the morning, they spill the cereal all over them, there's milk dripping down, and you just put on your good clothes, your suit, your dress to go to work, and they jump up on your lap with all that milk slipping, and they put their arms around your neck and say, oh, mom, oh, dad, I love you. See, love can never be coerced. Love can never be forced. Because if you coerce love, it's not love at all. And so God created Adam and Eve with this power of choice, and he put them in this magnificent garden. And in that garden, there was fresh air, and there was uh, beautiful flowers, and uh, sunshine, all the elements of health were placed there in that garden. I was interested in a statement by E.R. Squibb, the head of the pharmaceutical corporation, Squibb Corporation. He put it this way, Adam and Eve ate the first vitamins, including the package. And indeed, he was right. God placed Adam and Eve in that garden with the fresh air and the babbling brooks and the beautiful pure water and the trees laden with fruits and God placed them in that garden hand in hand where love reigned and they had a positive outlook for their future. And God gave to them in that garden a choice. And you remember what the Bible says in the book of Genesis, it's fundamental in human nature and it's fundamental in understanding who we are and our identity and it's fundamental in understanding how we make change healthfully. You have to go back to that garden. 
if we understand how we were made and created, we can understand how we get off track and how we can get back on track. There in that garden, in the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, the Bible says, And the Lord God commanded man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. So God gave them the opportunity to eat so freely. Then he said, But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. So he gave them a choice there in that garden. The tree of life. Can you read this from the screen with me tonight? Let's read it together. The tree of life represented all that was good, positive, healthy, and life-giving. That's our God. He wants what's good for you. He wants what's positive for you. He wants what's life-giving and health-giving. But there was another tree in that, gar in that garden. The tree of knowledge of good and evil represented the sum of poor choices with their negative, unhealthy, life-destroying practices. It was not that God was trying to keep something good from Adam and Eve, but the tree of knowledge of good and evil represented the sum of all wrong choices. It represented the sum of everything that was negative, everything that was unhealthy in this world. God knew that if they ate, they ate of that tree, they would be separated from Him. And the Bible says in Romans 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death. That is not only spiritual death, but as you and I make negative choices, as we make poor quality choices, as we don't live in harmony with these laws written in every nerve and tissue of our bodies, that is literal physical death as well as spiritual death. The wages of going our own way, the wages of living life prompted by the selfish aggrandizement of our own nature to satisfy ourselves. That, those very choices are negative choices that destroy us and take away the very thing we're seeking for. All of God's commands were given in love to preserve our health and ensure our happiness. What a wonderful God He is. He wants you to be healthy. He wants you to enjoy life to the fullest. He wants you to live life in all abundance. I love Deuteronomy 4, verse 40. You ready to read with me tonight? Let's read it. You shall therefore keep his statutes and his commandments, which I command you today, that it may go well with you and with your children after you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord your God is giving you for all time. Two things about the text. Notice the screen. You'll keep the commandments, which I command you this day, that it may go well with you. God wants you to be well that it may go well with you. Secondly, that it may prolong your days. So here we have the quality of life and the quantity of life. When we make the choices that God desires us to make that are positive, that are health-giving, it adds quality of, to our life and quantity of, to our life. God's commands are not arbitrary. They are life-giving. Notice John 10, verse 10, the thief doesn't come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. The Greek word, the New Testament is written in Greek and the Greek word is superabundance. God wants you to live a life in superabundance. He wants you to live a life. His intent for you is not simply to add years to our life, but add life to our years. Not only that you live a long life, but you live a life of quality and joy and happiness. Our choices have eternal consequences. The choices in the garden certainly had eternal consequences. Genesis 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave it to her husband with her, and he ate. 
when Eve made that choice to partake of that tree, and when Adam joined her in that choice, our first parents in that garden opened a door that God wanted forever shut, a door of sickness, a door of suffering, a door of heartache, and a door of disease. And the shadow of gloom and sadness came over the human race as the result of that choice. There was guilt and blame. That is, they now had that feeling that they were out of harmony with God, out of harmony with one another. So the choice affected them spiritually with guilt and blame. It affected them physically because separated from God, they were separated from the source of life and health. So they had disease and pain. It affected them mentally. They were filled with worry and anxiety. What will happen when we leave the garden? So the negative choices that Adam and Eve made in that garden affected them spiritually. It affected them physically. And the choices affected them mentally and emotionally. We were born to live in a garden. And God is leading us back to the garden lifestyle and creation health. And the great principles of health that he has given us. God's leading us back to understand the laws that he's written in every nerve and tissue of our being in a broken, fragmented, shattered world. Now, let me be very plain. Health is not simply dependent on perfectly living in harmony with the laws of health because there are some factors beyond our choice, aren't there? There are some genetic factors, and I will talk about that a little later in the lecture tonight, and there are some environmental factors. So there are things that do impact our health that we may not be directly responsible for. But by making positive choices, whatever our genetic predisposition to sickness is, and whatever the environmental factors are, the positive choices that we make contribute both to the quality of our life and our longevity. So we are not suggesting, if you follow the principles of creation health and the principles of Eden, that you'll never get sick. What we are suggesting is that you will improve your health by if you follow them, and the quality of your life will be better, and the length of your life will be better. Ours is a planet in rebellion. Throughout the centuries, men and women have followed in the footsteps of the evil one. The Bible says in Isaiah 53, verse 6, all like we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We've gone astray. We've turned to our own way, and God is leading us back, back to understand the principles of Eden. Think of how some of the poor choices in Bible times led to disaster. In the book of Genesis, uncontrolled anger led Cain to kill Abel. In the book of Psalms, we read the Psalms of David. David's uncontrolled lust led him to commit adultery with Bathsheba, and it led David to flee, be filled with guilt. It led him to fractured human and family relationships. You see, poor choices like the one Cain made to kill Abel led Cain to flee. It led him to be filled with guilt and fear and anxiety. The poor choice that David made of uncontrolled lust. Think of Judas's choice of uncontrolled greed. Those choices destroyed these three men's lives. And they're destroying people's lives today. Uncontrolled anger. Anger contributes to coronary heart disease. Some time ago, I noted 
the story of a famous chef in one of America's restaurants out there in the West Coast. This chef was outstanding. He prepared mouth-watering food, but he had one problem. After he got through his work, he'd like to go and sit in a side table in the restaurant, drink a cup of coffee, and he finished his cup by pouring a little bit in the saucer and picking it up and slurping it. The owner of the restaurant really was angry about that. And he said to this guy, look, if you do this anymore, you're going to be fired. And he really vented his anger. Privately in that kitchen one day when the cook was cooking, the man came in, he began yelling at the cook. And he said, if you do this again, you're fired, I told you. Well, one day, the owner walked into the restaurant and the cook was slurping at one of those side tables. And the owner said, come with me. He picked up the coffee cup and he began screaming. In a fit of rage, the owner threw the coffee cup against the wall, smashed it, and he, as, just as he began to yell, he felt that knife-like stabbing pain in his heart and he fell over dead with a heart attack. Our mental attitudes dramatically affect our immune systems and our health. Cain had uncontrolled anger and it led him to flee for the rest of his life. David had uncontrolled lust, and it destroyed family relationships. Lust is doing that today. Judas was greedy. There's many a man that wants to make another dollar and works 80 hours a week and pushes himself, destroys his health and family relationships. The Bible speaks of real situations, but there are positive choices in Scripture as well. Think of Joseph. If anybody came from a dysfunctional family, it was Joseph. His brothers sold him into slavery. But Joseph made positive choices. He resisted the onslaught of Potiphar's wife. Joseph lived a life of moral purity. As a result of that, he was appointed by Pharaoh, and his positive choices led him to make a major contribution in the nation. Or think of Daniel. Daniel was taken captive, brought from Jerusalem to Babylon. And as he was, he made a positive choice. Read this passage with me from Scripture, please. Daniel 1, verse 8. Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine that he drank. Daniel chose to eat a natural Eden diet, a plant-based vegetarian diet. Daniel wouldn't drink the wine. The Bible says that Daniel graduated with a Ph.D. from the University of Babylon. I mean, I just added a little bit of that Ph.D. business. He, he graduated at the top of his class. That's true. You read it in Daniel chapter 1, the last part of the uh, verse. Daniel 1, about verse 28, 29, 30. Daniel is 10 times better. Daniel had a positive diet, made a positive choice, and he's 10 times better than all the Babylonians. You want to be sharp as a student? You're a university student? You follow the principles of creation health. You get out there and jog. You, re you get adequate rest rather than burning the candle on both ends. You eat a good diet. Get out in the sunshine and fresh air. You watch what happens to your grades and come back and tell me. There's a medical student sitting right there, right? At least you followed these principles. I know you did. Graduated from medical school. We've talked about it many, many times. The Apostle Paul transformed the whole New Testament. Why? Because Paul made positive choices. Negative choices lead to physical, mental, spiritual disaster. Positive choices lead to good health. All change comes from, all change begins with, let's say it together, all change begins with what? Positive choices, that's right. Choice 
leads to change. Now, is health a matter of chance or a matter of choice? Um, what about this old genetics business? Well, Dr. Lamont Murdoch, Loma Linda University School of Medicine, put it this way. Let's read it together. Faulty genetics loads the gun, but lifestyle pulls the trigger. So the genetics may play a somewhat of a part. More and, research, more, and more researchers are comparing genetics and uh, lifestyle choices. And uh, most recent research indicates that genetics may play 20 to 30 percent in your health. Lifestyle plays 70 to 80 percent in your health. New York Times article 206, recent studies find that genes may not be so important in determining how long someone will live and whether a person will get some diseases, except perhaps in some exceptionally long-lived families. That means it's generally impossible to predict how long a person will live based on how long the person's relatives lives. In other words, it's another factor. What is it? The factor is lifestyle. The Almeda, California study done back in 1965 helps to bring this out. The Almeda, California study traced thousands of Californians and uh, it pointed out that lifestyle choices play the key role in determining both the quality and length of our lives. The Almeda, California study when it looked at longevity and life, looked at basically five qualities that would reduce how long you lived. Lack of exercise, smoking, uh, not getting adequate rest, alcohol, not the proper diet, and obesity. And they looked at those qualities in people and they said, we can predict your relative longevity based on these qualities. Professors Barbara Deming Adams and William Adams of the University of Colorado Boulder recently have been taking a look at a plant-based diet and they said one's diet can be more powerful than drugs. They go on to say, if we had diets more enriched with the right plant foods, we would likely live longer and more importantly maintain a higher quality of life when we age. So eating the right way, exercising, making those positive choices, getting back to that Eden diet improves both the quality of your life and the length of life. Now, science confirms the validity of creation health. Let's look at some of those studies. What are the basics of creation health? Let's go over them together. C stands for choice. R stands for getting adequate rest. E stands for environment, like sunshine and fresh air. A stands for activity. You know, I get my exercise walking back and forth on this platform every night. Now, when I was younger, I used to go really fast back and forth on the platform. You know, I've been lecturing 45 years in all the countries of the world. I'll tell you a funny little story that happened one night. Some of you have heard it before. Now we have, you know, these microphones you put around your neck like this. But when I started, we had some big microphone and I'd have to take the thing and wrap it around my neck and a cord put it down the back of my suit in a cord, I'd come down out my backside. So I'd be walking like this, getting all tied up in the cord. And one night, I was really, I was young, I was talking real fast, you know, I was in my 20s, I was walking back and forth on the platform, this cord is going out my back. Some little kid is sitting in the front row, he's about nine years old. And he looks at his mother, he doesn't know I hear him, and he says, Mama, is that cord in the guy's backside where they plug him in to give him that much energy? <laughs> Activity. T stands for trust, I, you know, the trust in God, the faith in God. I is interpersonal relationships. If you have fractured interpersonal relationships, do you ever have an argument with somebody else, your wife, a close friend? How do you feel in your stomach when you do that? 
What kind of headache do you have? You can't sleep at night. So interpersonal relationships makes a big difference. O is outlook. What's your outlook on life? If you have a negative outlook on life, it's going to impact your health. You have a positive outlook. So every night we're going to look at one of these, nutrition. So more and more scientific data confirms the validity of these health principles. In the Almeda, California study, doctors Nedra Bellick and Lester Breslow followed up 6,928 participants from the 1965 study. In other words, they took a look at the people that were studied in the Almeda study years later. And they said, what we found was seven principles, not five. And here they are. They said, here are seven factors associated with poor health. You want to take a test tonight? Mark down how many of these you have. No, don't, because I want you to have a positive outlook, not negative. Here's the neat thing, though. Here are the seven factors associated with poor health. That's not the neat thing. I'll tell you what it is later. Alcohol consumption, smoking cigarettes, obesity. If you sleep less than seven hours a night or more than eight, why more than eight? Probably because the people that were sleeping more than eight had other factors in their life. It wasn't that they slept more than eight, but other medical factors. Very little physical activity, eating between meals and not eating breakfast. Boy, I'm glad Mrs. Finley talked to us about a good breakfast, aren't you? Um, not eating breakfast. So if you look at those, there are seven factors. What is our topic tonight? What's our topic? What's our topic tonight? When you look at those seven factors, what do you notice about every one of them? Every single one of the factors that Dr. Breslow mentions are within the realm of our what, everybody? Uh, within the realm of our choice. We can control whether we exercise. We can make a choice as difficult as it may be to quit smoking. Other people have done it. We can do it. We can make a choice regarding our weight or eating between meals. We can make a choice regarding the diets that we eat. Choice is a positive factor. National Geographic magazine, with the issue on the secrets of living longer, looked at the four major areas in the world where people are living to be 100 years old. And they looked at the factors that were leading up to them living to 100. And National Geographic in the article by Dan Buettner said this, a long healthy life is no accident. It begins with good genes, but it also depends on good habits. If you adopt the right lifestyle, experts say chances are you may live up to a decade longer. What if I had a pill tonight that I was selling here? And I said, in this pill, all you need to do is take it once a year, and you'll live 10 years longer. You think we might have a few more people than we have tonight? If I had a pill that could guarantee 10 years longer? But it wouldn't be as much fun as going out and taking a walk. It wouldn't be as much fun as eating those blueberries and strawberries, right? If you adopt the right lifestyle, experts say that you can may live up to a decade longer. Why should you come out every night? Why should you tune into the Hope Channel every night? Why should you not miss one meeting? Because as we go over these principles and you incorporate them into your life, you can add at least 10 years to your life. Not 10 boring, unexciting, miserable years. But 10 years with a quality of life. 10 years with an abundant life. 10 years with joy in your life. Dan Buettner wrote a book called The Blue Zones. And in that book, he looked at these major places in the world where people are living to 100 or more. We're not quite there in Orlando yet, but we're moving in that direction. Here they are, Sardinia, Italy, Okinawa, Japan, 
Nicoya, Costa Rica, and Loma Linda, California. We're going to look at why that's so a little later. In the Blue Zones, Dan Buettner said, here are some of the reasons that people are living to 100 or they're living longer. One, they have strong family ties. Two, there's no smoking or very little. Three, their diet is predominantly plant-based. In some of the societies, like uh, Sardinia and in Okinawa, they do eat some fish, do eat some meat, but it is low level. Um, in Loma Linda, California, because they're largely Seventh-day Adventists, there is a large vegetarian population. Constant, moderate physical activity, and they have a lot of social engagement. And recent studies indicate, too, that uh, faith plays a major portion in, in health. When you look at what these blue zones are saying in the book and National Geographic, it really reminds you of the principles that God gave back in the Garden of Eden. Eleanor Roosevelt made this quite remarkable statement. She said, one's philosophy is not best expressed in words. It's expressed in the choices one makes. In the long run, we shape our lives and we shape ourselves. The process never ends until we die. And I love this sentence. And the choices we make are ultimately going to determine our future. The choices we make America's, who are America's healthy people? What about that community in Loma Linda, California? What about the community of Seventh-day Adventists that live there? Let's see what we can learn from these Adventists tonight. If these Adventist neighbors of ours are living longer than we are, wouldn't it be the wisest thing to take a look at why they're living longer? I mean, you know, some of that California air is a little polluted from time to time, right? But yet these Adventists out there in Loma Linda, they're living longer. And if you look all across America, these Adventists are living longer. Let's try to discover why. There's a group of studies called the Adventist Health Studies. These studies began about 50 years ago with a study called the Adventist Mortality Study. Now, the reason I'm so interested in these studies is because these folk are Americans. They live in the same culture that we live in. Let's learn why they're living so much longer. Do, first, it's due in part to their unique dietary habits. Seventh-day Adventists have a lower risk than other Americans of certain diseases. Their diet makes a major, major difference. The fact they don't smoke, the fact that they do not drink. Here are three of the studies. On the far left in the green, there's the Adventist mortality study. We'll take a look at that. Then there is a Adventist study number one and Adventist study number two. These have been federally funded studies of thousands and thousands of people. Now, the reason why this database is so significant is, A, much of the database is over 50 years old. B, it's not a minuscule database of 1,000 people or 2,000. There's more than 100,000 people now in that database. Um, these uh, studies have been featured on Good Morning America. They've been featured on CNN. They have been featured on ABC. Anderson Cooper, of course, with CNN, has featured these studies as well. The Adventist mortality study that dates back to the 60s made this observation, and I'll look at a number of the studies, and then we'll try to see what we can learn from them. The Adventist mortality study did indicate that Adventist men live 6.2 years longer than non-Adventist men in the concurrent American Cancer Society study, and Adventist women had a 3.7-year advantage over their counterparts. These statistics were based on life table analysis. So that was the initial study. Um, in that Adventist mortality study, death rates from all cancers were 60% lower for Adventist men and 76% lower for Adventist women. I mean, if you could lower your rate of cancer by 60%, I mean, that's significant. If you could lower your rate of cancer as a woman for 76%, lung cancer, 21% lower, colorectal cancer, 62% lower, breast cancer, 85% lower, 
coronary heart disease, 66% lower for Adventist men, 98% lower for Adventist women. So the statistics are, are really remarkable from that mortality study. Um, in Adventist Health Study 1, 34,000 Californian Adventists over 25 years of age were studied from 1974 to 1978. On average, average men in the study lived 7.3 years longer. It was better than the Adventist mortality study. And the women lived 4.4 years longer. The interesting thing is, if you factor out those Adventists that previously smoked before they became Adventists, and if you factor out those that had a pretty high meat, cheese, and eggs diet, you may get this up to 10 years longer. That is quite significant. Adventist Health Study 1 looked at these features. Now, the interesting thing is, when you look at the features, it's similar to the Breslow study when he looked at the Californians that were living longer as well. One, non-smoking. Two, eating a plant-based diet. Three, eating nuts several times a week. Four, regular exercise. And five, maintaining normal body weight. These were some of the major factors. The latest data that we're receiving from the Adventist Health Study indicates that a strong faith and a positive relationship with God and people around you positively impacts your health. What is this? It's the Eden way of life. Now, here is some practical information regarding our diets from the Adventist Health Study. Here's some practical things you can incorporate very simply into your diet. Here it is. One, if you increase the consumption of red and white meat, that was associated in the Adventist Health Study with an increase in colon cancer. So if you want to reduce the amount of colon cancer, one thing you can do immediately is reduce or cut out completely red and white meat. Eating legumes was protective against colon cancer. Ladies, you want to help your husbands to protect against colon cancer? Legumes in the morning, legumes. <laughs> All right. The more nutty you make your husband, the longer he's going to live. Are you with me? The more nutty you make your husband, the longer he's going to live. If you eat nuts several times a week, it'll reduce the risk of heart attack by up to 50%. Walnuts are great. That's what the Adventist Health Study said. I can just imagine you are going to be on your way to the store tonight, and those stores are going to be sold out of walnuts. And you're going to come home and say, Honey, I've got peanuts, and I've got walnuts, and I've got hazelnuts, and I've got Brazil nuts. Honey, I love you so much. Eat all these nuts tomorrow. I want to reduce your heart attack by 50%. All right. If you eat whole wheat bread instead of white bread, it reduces your non-fatal heart attack by risk by 45%. If you eat Mrs. Finley's homemade bread, it'll reduce your heart attack. No, no, no. You eat whole wheat bread, it reduces your risk of heart attack. Whole grains really helpful for you. Now, this is interesting. You drink five or more glasses of water a day, reduces heart disease by 50%. That's what they said in that Adventist Health Study. Drink your water. I tell, I am always able to tell how much water people are drinking by how many people leave my meeting and then come back in. <laughs> Somebody got it. If you didn't get it, your, your wife will tell you after the meeting. Adventist Health Study. Men who have a high consumption of tomatoes reduce their risk of prostate cancer by 40%. Tomatoes, put them in a salad. Oh, every different way. Drinking soy milk may reduce prostate cancer by 70%, according to the Adventist Health Study. Edward Markham said, read it with me, please. Choices are the what? Hinges of destiny. All change begins by choice. Now, 
I want to give you four practical things tonight as we pull this meeting to a close. Four practical things that are going to help you. How do you make positive choices? Somebody says, Mark, you've been talking about choice all night, but my problem is I can't make too many good ones. It's like, um, it's, it is like Mark Twain said, it's not hard to quit smoking. I did it a thousand times. <laughs> Where, how do, here are some goals that will help you to make the four A's of making positive choices. First, acknowledge that your body is God's unique creation. The basis for permanent, significant lifestyle change is a recognition that we're created by God. I'll tell you an interesting story. Forty years ago, I was involved a great deal in helping people quit smoking. We ran 25, in one city we ran 25 programs to help people off smoking. We were so proud of our rate, we were averaging 84 to 88% of the people that came through our clinic quit smoking. And so we were having headline articles in the paper and so forth. The Connecticut Department of Health did a follow-up study and found that a year later, less than 24% of those people were off. I was devastated. I mean, I was telling them to take walks, I was telling them to drink their water, but I was really devastated because we had put so much emphasis in it. What I had failed to do in those years was introduce the spiritual. So unashamedly today, I introduce the spiritual because I know that unless you have power from the living God that will empower your lifestyle change, that you will tend to make choices and slip back. So the A of making a positive choice is to acknowledge that your body is a unique creation. I love Isaiah 43, 7. Everyone who's called by my name, who I've created for my glory, I've formed him. Yes, I've made him. Take a deep breath and say, God, you created me. You created me for an abundant life. You created me for a joyous life. You created me to live a productive, happy life. Look, 1 Corinthians 6, verse 19 and 20. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who's in you, that you have from God and you're not your own? You're bought with a price. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Change begins when we get on our knees and we say, God, I acknowledge that my body is yours. I acknowledge that it is yours. Secondly, admit that you're powerless to make lasting changes in your life without his supernatural power. Admit it. Say, God, I cannot make these changes alone. God, I've tried to do that before. Read it with me, please. Philippians 4, verse 13. Let's read together. I can do a few things. I can do some things. I can do what? All things through Christ who strengthens me. You may be weak, but he is strong. You may be powerless, but he is all-powerful. You may be, your decisions may be like ropes of sand, but when your weak, wavering will is united to his all-powerful will, he empowers you to make the choice that you choose. God will not come down and handcuff you, but he gives you the opportunity to choose. He will not yank a cigarette out of your mouth he will not come down and take that pork chop that's on the plate and have an angel, when you bow your head to pray, take it away. You have the power of choice. But when you make a positive choice, God will come, and he will empower that choice. Thirdly, accept the reality that there's nothing too hard for God. I acknowledge, God, my body's yours. I admit that I'm powerless to live the life you want me to live. 
And I accept the fact that nothing is impossible for you. If you're struggling with a weight problem, nothing is impossible with God. If you're struggling with a smoking problem, nothing is impossible with God. If you're struggling with an alcohol problem, nothing is impossible with God. Accept that reality. Matthew 19, verse 26, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. One night I was helping a young man quit smoking. He was 28 years old. He started smoking when he was 14. And as I was helping him, I said, okay, let's do this. And I talked to him about drinking adequate water and getting fresh air. And I took him through these principles and I said, now let's pray. So I said, bring all your cigarettes here, put them on the floor, we're going to pray. So I got him you know, committed to taking walks and to saying I choose not to smoke. So he began to pray, and here was his prayer. Dear Lord, I know I can never quit smoking. Dear Lord, you know how weak I am. Dear Lord, you know how feeble I am. He went on and on and on. Pretty soon I got tired of it. I shook the man in his prayer. I said, stop praying. You're going to be worse after you get through praying than before you started. <laughs> he never had a preacher tell him not to pray before. And I told him that. I said, look, you're going to be worse. All you're doing is telling God how weak you are. You get on your knees and say, look, with men or women, this is impossible, but with God, all things are what? I may feel weak, but he is what? Strong. I may feel feeble, but he is what? Almighty. Fourth, address a few specific things in your life. Do not go home tonight and say, I'm going to do all that creation health starting tomorrow morning. Wow. Address a few specific areas. Let me give you some examples. I was in the city of Chicago working with a couple, and um, they had a real alcohol problem. And I had visited them for six months in their home. I was giving them counseling. I was trying to help them with their alcohol problem. They had many other problems. Obesity was a problem. Diet was a problem. Exercise was a problem. But I knew if we didn't deal with the alcohol problem, we weren't going to get to the others. And so we worked for months with them. And I said, look, let's make that one thing a priority. And I said, if I have a party with you, on one night, and we get rid of all your alcohol on one night, and I party with you, will you choose to say, that's my last night? They said, sure, pastor. If we have a pastor that parties with us, we'll do it. So we just made the decision for that night. I brought a couple of my seminary students with me, and I got into the house, and I said, okay, get the Budweiser. They got it, and I handed it to one seminary student preacher and another one I was teaching seminary at the time. And those kids had never held a can of beer in their life. Some of these preachers, they were shaking, you know, like that. Then I said, okay, get the wine. They got it. We put it on the table. I said, okay, get now your vodka. They got it. We had all this stuff. I said, okay, now this is what we're going to do. Every single one of us are going to open this stuff. We're going to sing praise God from all blessings flow, and I'm heading for the toilet to pour it down, and you guys follow me. And so change comes when we take personal responsibility for our actions and our behavior. What a night we had. We were pouring stuff down the sink and pouring stuff down the toilet. We took all the empty bottles, put them on the table. You know, I had worked with them for months to get them ready for that decision. Their lives were changed. They'd always wanted to buy a hotel. They did. And when I was on It Is Written Television for so many years, one day the lady sent me a letter. She said, Pastor, I saw you on television. You looked a little tired, but I always remember the night we partied. And if you need some rest, come out to the hotel. My secretary got the letter and she said, Pastor, what are you talking about the night you partied there? So I had some explanation to do. <laughs> you take one or two things in your life and you work on those. A couple, what we were talking to needed, needed plastic surgery because they had $14,000 in credit card bills, and uh, they were newly married. They were arguing all the time. Their health was in jeopardy, so I helped them to know, take one thing at a time. Let's have plastic surgery first. And we cut up the credit cards, and they saved one for a rainy day, and they said we were so happy because now we're not so tempted. We don't have 15 credit cards anymore. Um, young businessman needed corrective lenses. He was working 80 hours a week, neglecting his family. He was always stressed out. We said, look, adjust 
deal with that issue in your life. A young woman needed a heart transplant. You see, she was critical, she was angry, she was bitter, she was filled with tension and stress. And we said, look, let's deal with that. Is there anything in your life that you kind of came to these meetings because you felt you had to deal with? Maybe it's a lack of exercise. Maybe it's a dietary issue. Maybe it is an attitudinal issue. Maybe it's stress and tension and, and anxiety. But there's something in your life you need to deal with it. I want you to reflect on that thing right now. Just take a moment and bow your head. Just in the quietness here, is there something you feel being led to make a change in your life? What, what area of your life are you being led to make a change in? And maybe you're watching by Hope Channel Television. And you can just bow your head now. And think of that at one area, that two area. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a spiritual area. You've drifted away from God. Maybe it's a mental area. You're filled with anger and bitterness. Maybe it's a physical area. You haven't been caring for your body. And right now, think about that area and say, God, I acknowledge that my body is your temple. I admit that I can't deal with this alone. I need your strength. And I choose to give that thing to you right now. And I choose to receive your strength right now. I choose to receive your power right now to help me with that thing. Would you like to look at the screen and pray this prayer with me right now? Let's go to the screen and pray quietly this prayer. Dear Lord, let's read it together and pray it together. Dear Lord, we come before you with an overwhelming sense of gratitude. Thank you that you're more interested in our physical, mental, and spiritual health than we could possibly ever imagine. We praise you that even in this broken world of suffering and sorrow, you have a plan to ensure our lasting joy. As we continue to discover the principles of creation health, we pray that you'll empower our choices so we can live life in the abundance as you've designed. In Jesus' name, amen. Tonight as you go, go with the joy. Go with the overwhelming sense that you were created by God for a purpose. Go with the overwhelming sense that you can live life to the abundance because, because change comes with choice. Now, tomorrow night, my wife is going to share with you how to make whole grain breads. You are not going to want to miss it. We'll have a, we're going to talk tomorrow night about freedom from worry, tension, and anxiety. But does anybody have tension in Orlando? Anybody have anxiety in Orlando? What about our Hope Channel viewers? Any anxiety? How to deal with worry, tension, and anxiety? How to have rest of mind, body, and spirit? Now, tonight when you go out, be sure to turn in your registration card. You'll get a copy of the lecture for tonight. One other thing before you go tonight. Remember, as you come every single night, I want to show you something very interesting. As you come every night, you'll get a copy of Des's book, Imagine a Healthy Hundred. And one of my friends has given us $25 value. Balance magazines, the complete number of them. As you come every night, we're going to give you a complete series of these 25 magazines. So tonight when you go out, you'll get the lecture for tonight. If you come every night and turn in 80 of those registration cards, we're going to give you material. By the end of this week, 
your eyes are going to be clearer. Your breath is going to be sweeter. You're going to be walking with a zip in your step. You're going to be happier and closer to God. I want to go to the door to greet you. Good night and God bless you. This media was produced by Audioverse for the NAD Health Summit. If you would like to learn more about the NAD Health Summit, please visit www.nadhealthsummit.com or if you would like to listen to more free online sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.